the Professionally Speaking Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Professionally Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan J. Warner, and with me today is another special guest. We have Patty Dobrovolsky. She is the founder of Up Your Creative Genius. She's also a live illustrator and a keynote speaker. Patty, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh my gosh, this is the highlight of my week. I mean, come on, Brian, this is going to be so fun to talk with you. I can't wait. I love it. The energy is contagious. It's, it's booming out of the speakers right now. It's 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 coming. I, I love it. So first question, let's hit the ground running. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and specifically, because I know we're going to go back through your journey and it's super interesting because you have had multiple careers in many different industries and ton of accomplishments. But before we go down that road, what are you up to right now? What do you do right now? And how do you, how do you help people? Yeah, well, right now I'm, I give a lot of talks about drawing a picture to make change in your life. So I'm a live illustrator and speaker, and I work with businesses, individuals, and you know audiences around the world to show them a process called Draw Your Future, and it will help you make change so quickly and with such enthusiasm, you're not going to believe it. On the Draw Your Future point, we spoke about that last time, and I was so excited because... I had long thought, I mean, as a professor, I'm immersed in research, but I've never actually done the research on the visuals, but it it makes perfect sense that a lot of people say visualization leads to realization. And when we spoke last, you mentioned, I think it was 42% or there was a number you're 42% more. Can you, can you give us some color on that? Sure, sure. Well, um, you know, one, uh, the phone rang one day and it was somebody from the I don't know, the consumer control center. And they were like, hey, you know, could we use your process, draw your future to help people save better for the future? And I was like, what? Who are you? Did someone steal my credit card? You know, (laughs) what is consumer finance, right? And so um, they said, no, this guy, Hal Hirschfield, who's a university professor at UCLA, Dr. Hirschfield, He's done all this research on attaching yourself to a future you. And if you create a strong attachment to your future self, you can increase your chance of success in your goal setting by 42% if you take action Mm. on it. And I was like, oh my God, that's what I do when I show people how to draw a picture. We attach ourselves to a future that we long for. And the more um, emotion you have, and the more, the worse your drawings are, actually, the better and more successful you are at making change. <laughs> well, that's great because I am a horrible drawer. So maybe I'll be in luck then. 98% of the people that I talk to say my drawing skills suck. And I'm like, here, let me show you how to draw because mine did too. And then now, now they're great, but 30 years later. But I mean, it's incredible because if you think about it, this is how the brain works, right? You see something and then your brain snaps a picture of it. And then the more feeling you attach to that picture, whether it's because you're in an event that's highlighted in some way, or whether you like that purse that you want or whatever it is, the career that you think you might be able to have, that then your brain puts that into your hippocampus, your long-term memory, right? And your brain is always looking for things in that hippocampus that you want when you're problem solving. So it's mixing and matching images that you have seen, watched, dreamed about to create reality for you. 
And this is the this is the fascinating part of the neuroscience behind it is that the things you put your attention on, good or bad, are what you will experience more of. Mm-hmm. It's remarkable because we think about that logically, it makes sense. But yet, how much of the day do we spend complaining about something or upset something that we can't change? And Or daydreaming, daydreaming <laughs> about the thing that you could have done better. I mean, really, that all that does is pull you back to that moment, right? And then it increases your chance that that moment's going to happen again. Yeah. And you know what? I'm glad we said, I'm glad we shined a light on it. So listeners out there, reroute, course correct, when you catch yourself thinking about something that you don't need to be. Or you don't want more of. Or you don't want more of, or you don't want more. So that's a super interesting career. And is it something, I I can't imagine the guidance counselor pointed you in this direction when you were young. (laughs) No. As a matter of fact, what I do tell people, I'm a highly paid poster girl and pep commissioner, which is what I was in high school. You know, I was the pep commissioner, which meant I oversaw the cheerleaders, flag girls, all of the, you know, people doing the nose clapping, et cetera, you know, cheering at, you know, like they will be for the chiefs on Sunday, right? (laughs) Or, you know, for San Francisco, whoever you're you're hoping for. But anyway, I was the pep commissioner and part of my job was to create these big posters for all of the events, all the football, water polo, everything, golf, whatever it was. I had a team and we all created these posters. Now, that's what I do for a living. But I would have never known that. Like I became an actor. And after I was an actor, I had an artistic break. So I became a drama therapist. I healed myself. And then I went into business because I was a terrible therapist. And somebody said, you know, you should go into business. You'd be much better there and you'd probably make some money. So (laughs) I was in there. And then when I was in business, I saw a guy draw a picture of a meeting I was in. And it was a very contentious meeting, but he had a pen and a huge piece of paper. And he drew a picture of what we wanted to have happen with a client. And I thought, kaboom, like that's what I wanna do. I didn't know how to draw. I didn't know anything about it. I thought that guy's having fun and he's making a ton of money drawing pictures. I'm gonna learn how to do it. So I did. Wow, that's what happened. I I didn't know that actually. We never spoke about that before. So that was the moment when you saw someone else do it. Yeah, and it, their uh, graphic recording was a new thing then. That's what they call it, graphic recording. Okay. And it was new. Like there were only like a few people in the world that did it. So sure. I was right at the very beginning. I worked with some of the really amazing, um, you know, startups. And it was just an amazing career to have. It took me about seven years to become good as an artist, where I would actually draw people, not stick figure people. Um, but, you know, now... 30 years later, I, you know, I'll draw anything. (laughs) And so, sorry, how long, how many years have you been doing the graphic recording? For 30, 30 years. 30. Okay. So in the 30 years. I'm old. I'm old. (laughs) No way. Don't listeners don't believe her. Don't believe her. Not a day over 30. So in the early years of you doing this, what were some of the key lessons you learned along the way? Well, number one is, and I think this is a good lesson for anybody in any career, like um, take the risk. Don't be afraid to try something new. And when good ideas drop into your brain, do them. Don't just, (laughs) you know, paw your poo about them. You know how people go, oh, I don't know. Should I do that? I call that poo 
hoopawing, right? Because you're like, eh, it smells, it's, it could be bad. But instead, you want to just jump in and do it. Because the same thing, when I was in a room and people were talking and I had to draw pictures of what they were talking, mm-hmm. Ryan, I, my critic would get in there and it'd be like, oh, I'd say they they want me to draw, the, you know, the car from Back to the Future. I go, what does that car even look like in DeLorean? I don't even DeLorean. know. And this this was before cell phones, right? So I'd be like, does anybody show me how to draw that? You know, like that. But and but then after about I don't know three or four years, I just told the critic, shut up, sit down. I'm drawing a picture. You don't have to get in here and tell me what to do. And then I was free to draw whatever came to me. And even if I couldn't draw it and it was a bad drawing, I would just laugh. Now I just laugh when I draw something and it doesn't look great. I go, oh my God, (laughs) that is so funny, right? But I think that's it. Have a sense of humor, be able to get your critic out of the room like that. Yeah. And that makes sense. Cause I I mean, I'm I'm just envisioning your, the, I don't say audiences, but the people, the teams you work with, if I were, if I were you putting myself in your shoes, drawing something that's not a hundred percent coherent, none of them can probably do any better. So you're probably all laughing at it together. It probably creates a good environment. Yeah. Now I can pretty much draw what they ask for. Right. But I think that this is what's true. Great ideas come into us. And the goal is no matter what the idea is, if you catch it in a picture or a word, which your brain sees as a picture, now you've captured that idea. And when you want to set goals, the best way to do that is to capture it into a picture. Because when your brain sees it and it sees the picture and you circle the picture and you color the picture, your brain goes, huh, you're drawing. You're bad at drawing. Why are you drawing? I'm wide awake now. (laughs) That's a picture of a DeLorean, right? Mm -hmm. I guess you want that car. I guess you're looking for that thing. I guess you want that partner in the relationship or this new business. I'm going to pull to you using your reticular activating system. That's the RAS. I'm going to pull all that kind of car into your field of vision, that kind of business. And once that happens, then life opens the door to a new opportunity for you. So every time you see something, your brain goes, hey, here's that thing you wanted. You sure you want it? And you go, yeah, that's it. And then you jump through. There you go. You're on your next career path. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And I love how you laid that out. But back to you for a moment. When you were in business and you saw this drawing, you had this moment, this epiphany, this is what I want to do. And you made that change in that direction. Like, what was that change? Like, did you have a mentor? Did you have someone who showed you how to get clients? Yeah, what was oh, that? Yeah, like? I, well, I had this guy, Michael Stark, who I always tell him, you know, that guy, without him, I would never have a career at all because he got the guy in the room to draw because he thought I might like it. He knew me well enough. That was one thing. And then he introduced me to someone who would do an internship with me. So there was a woman in Marin, I was in the Bay Area, and I went to her house every day and she'd hand me a piece of paper, eight and a half by 11. She'd go, okay, Patty, I want you to transfer this picture that I sketched out onto that big piece of paper, four foot by eight foot on the wall. And I would spend like hours and hours, you know, trying to make it look perfect because I wasn't an illustrator. Mm -hmm. And then she would say, perfect. She'd black line it, full color it, and then the job will be done. And that woman, Janet Schatzman, she taught me everything about drawing and how to be good at it. But I had to 
I had to learn how to draw. That's what's true. I had to hire, I hired illustrators to work beside me, cartoonists. Show me how to draw this. They draw, I draw next to them. They draw, I draw like that. And he, they give me feedback because that's how you learn. You have to get in there, roll up your sleeves. Somebody knows, get the expert. Sure. No, I, I mean, that part makes sense. I, you got you to gotta put the time and you got to develop the skill. But then the other side of the equation is like the business development and getting your name out there. Because when, when Patty starts, right. it's not like, it's like Coca-Cola. It's not like a household oh my name. Gosh. So. I know it. Well, and, and also what happens is, so, you know, you got this skill, right? But nobody knows what graphic recording mm -hmm. is when I started. And right. so we would go, so here's what happened. I go to Colorado because I fall in love with somebody there and I move there. And I happened to run into another graphic recorder and she's really fun and funny. And so we form a business together, our very first business. And what we do is we go and pitch with clients. And sometimes we go all the way to New York from Colorado to pitch on our dime. Mm -hmm. And we go in the room and we draw a picture and we say, you know, if you drew this picture for your company and rolled it out, they'd understand it so much better. And this is before we knew the brain science, but we knew the picture worked, right? And uh, and they'd say at the end of the 45 minutes with us, they'd say, thank you very much. That was really great. You know, we can't really afford to draw a picture right now, but would you leave that one right here? <laughs> and that happened over and over again. But we train people all around the world. In being in becoming graphic recorders, that was mm, okay. part of our commitment, because we figured if there were more of them out there, there'd be more work for everybody. And so then, at some point in the career, then it the pivot happened, and visual thinking became a thing. And we were like, "Wow, that's fantastic! We've been doing it for you know almost twenty years, and now everybody discovered it. It's so great, and it's so much fun." Now everybody knows what sketch noting is. You know, it's yeah. it's an incredible thing. And if you use it with anything that you want to do, if you sketch a picture, you will understand so much more than you did when before. If you just keep it all in your head, that's where it stays. But all ideas are better when they're visualized. Yeah, absolutely. And and selfishly, I'm having flashbacks to myself when I was in elementary school, like grade school, and my teacher's telling me, Ryan, you can't draw um you know just just mail it in like you know you should go into math and science because you're you're not going to be able to, to draw art is not your forte and okay and then just never never really picked up a brush or a pen or a marker since other than to write words like text so I, i'm sure there's a lot of folks out there that like you said it's like a skill it's like anything right like you can improve it you just got to put the time in and learn from well, something and it's and you can uh, honestly it doesn't take that long to improve your skill if you get a piece of paper and you draw a square a triangle a circle a period a comma and a line everything in the universe is made up of those basic shapes we all know how to draw those so all you have to do is look at the room you're in and see the shape and then draw it. See if you can draw the room you're in or what's on your desk in front of you. And that will improve you. You will improve in one week by simply drawing what you see in front of you because your brain is wired to see things visually. Mm -hmm. And no matter how bad your style of drawing is, it's your style. And you, you just, 
go with it. That's what I learned. I couldn't be Janet Schatzman. I was never going to be that guy who drew in that first meeting because they were really good. I was always going to be me. And that's another business tip. You are you. You have to be at 150%. Don't try to be somebody else because it won't go very well for you. You'll be miserable. Yeah, I love it. I mean, developing the skill is one side of the equation for someone like yourself, but then having the the business, the other side, I mean, you yeah. need both. So I think it's obviously got a little bit lucky running into that person in Colorado, but it no doubt took a ton of work to, like you said, go and yeah. find these companies and pitch to them on, and take the risk on your own dime and et cetera. Well, and I wasn't a business person when I saw that guy draw in that meeting. I was a I was trained as a drama therapist. I was running therapy groups. But what's true is I had been an actor. And as an actor, and even if you like sold things on the street or you schlep burritos, you know, <laughs> you understand the basics of business. Customer comes first. That's it. That's all you need to know. The customer comes first and you will overachieve for that customer. You will always be employed. You will always have a job because you're putting whoever is getting on the receiving end first. And that's what I learned early on. If I overachieved as an illustrator, if I overachieved as an actor, if I overachieved as a business consultant or a speaker, I would always get a call back. I have done very little marketing in my career. None. Mm -hmm. They're all return clients. I have some clients I had when I first came into business. Still call me for, you know, ideas. What do you think I should do? Mm -hmm. You know, big, big companies. No, absolutely. And uh, it's funny. The more we talk, the more I think how alike we are. But that's something that I, I always intrinsically understood, I think. I, like that was something I picked up right away. It's like, I, I was never educated in business either, right? Like I came from education and then I went into professional development and training. But through through seeing business and the number of systems and operations, it just doesn't make any sense to me to allocate resources to marketing and advertising. If you just dedicate that to your existing client base, they'll do it for you. Like, you know, you'll exactly. get referrals, They'll you know, good word of mouth and all these things. Even in a company that you're working in, Ryan, like if you think about it, what happens is you work in one business unit and then they say, oh my gosh, you know, so I went to the Gates Foundation, I work in education, but there are many program areas. So I was called into HIV, I was called into the food system, I was called in to do, you know, agriculture, I was called into libraries, all those systems wanted me to do that. And that's the way you want to realize is that you're at the center of it. Like you said, you're at the center of it, but it expands outward. And if you're there to serve, and you remember this, you're here in the universe to serve. So if you can learn to serve at the highest level, you will always have a job. You'll always have food on the table. You'll always have friends. You'll always be connected. Yeah, I love it. I, I completely agree. And that is well put, well put. So looking back on, I mean, the drama therapist, you mentioned, we mentioned it a couple of times. When you came into that, I know you said to, to heal yourself. Did you learn any skills? And I'm sure you did. I'm just kind of trying to tease one or two out that <laughs> yeah. really played a role and, and helped you out as like the graphic recorder in Up Your Creative Genius. I would say as a facilitator, it helped me because what I learned was, and this is good to know, if you're ever running a meeting, 
you always start with a group activity first, especially if you don't know the room and you have them do things like find everybody in the room who's got the same color eyes you do or find everybody in the room born in the same month you are. And then you move it down to teamwork and then you move it down to individual work. And if you always work like that and feel and funnel things down to the individual, but from the group first, everybody feels relaxed and they have fun and they want to work with you because you're not making them embarrassed. You're not asking them to introduce themselves individually at the very front, which is mortifying for people. They spend time thinking about, uh oh, it's coming around to me. What am I going to say that's going to make me look smart and cute and funny, you know, instead of let's all do something first and then let's introduce ourselves after we've done that. And that's that's my tip that I learned from drama therapy, and I'm so grateful for it. Yeah, I love it. So you found that that make that kind of opens people up, makes people more comfortable, more willing to share and be themselves. Yes. And and relaxes. And, you know, once you're relaxed, then any group will want to do whatever it is you want them to if they've had a chance to relax. Yeah, for sure. So you have you apply that same strategy that you've learned through that when you're doing your graphic recording keynote or graphic recording or anything. I always start with a game, something fun, a riddle, you know, that they have to figure out in teams or make them, you know, get up and yell things, raise their hand. Even <laughs> that sometimes how many of you in the room have ever fill in the blank, right? Gotcha. Um, that just that activity gets them moving and they realize, oh, this isn't going to be you push and I listen because that's that's the um, you know, that's the flaw in the educational system. Yes. That you and I both realize is that professors and our teachers, when we were growing up, they would push information and expect us to receive and understand instead of create an experience where we could learn from it and tell them what we learned. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm always preaching this, like I said, you, you kind of struck a chord, but there's so many people out there that don't realize the both the teachers, the professors, and also the students that the, the mode, the delivery system, the conduit of knowledge and information is not always optimal for them, right? Like it's not, it, I need to work with it, I need to touch it, or I need to think about it, or I need to discuss it with someone. We learn this kind of along the way, if we're in it long enough, we, we start to figure out what our study habits, how do we get the most return on our time? Is it just rereading the same textbook or do I need to talk to someone about it and then discuss or draw them? a picture of what I'm reading, right? Or draw a picture yes. of it. So everybody, and you know, when you draw a picture of something that you're reading, like your retention rate is like 60% higher, right? Yeah, that's so true. And I, I love listening to audiobooks, but then it's like, and if you look at the figure 4D and I'm like, oh crap. Like, you know, I'm like, I'm just trying to try to envision it while I'm listening to it because I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> I love that. I love that. But as you yeah. look back on your, on your career journey, was there a moment or like what moment or moments were most impactful? I know we mentioned the one where you saw someone else drawing, but was there something, was there another time when you thought to yourself, like, you know what, I'm going to keep changing. I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep trying different things. I'm not gonna work 35 years for a company and retire with the gold watch yeah um i never i knew when i was a drama therapist that it wasn't going to happen for me um when i had to do a time card and i was supposed to stay at the site for you know 45 minutes and then chart for 15 more and that was my hour and you know i 
my class, my group was 40 minutes long. It took me, I was fast at charting and I'm like, I can't do this. I can't stay here. I'm not going to be able to do this time card thing. And I knew then that I couldn't do that. I knew I had a sequence of really serious, not great things happen where I thought, nope, that kind of trauma, I don't want to experience on a daily basis. So I'm going to move into something else. But the other mm. thing was when I transitioned from being an actor to going to be a drama therapist and getting a degree in psychology, I I grieved the loss of my actor self. I didn't know who I'd be. I had an artistic break. I couldn't perform anymore. I didn't know who I was or anything. And that guy, Michael Stark, he's the one that pointed me at the school and said, here's an opportunity for you to learn what it is that you do and to share it with other people because I think it'd be perfect. And he was right in that. And then he was right with my career too, which is, you know, like I say, and, and interestingly enough, he put me in a job, which put me in Colorado on my first consulting job. And that's where I met my wife. So he always says, I taught you how to make money. I taught you how to do business. <laughs> and I found you, your wife, <laughs> your relationship. And, and it's true. <laughs> and aren't I the luckiest for that, right? Yeah, it takes full credit for, for all the positive hey, things. Oh, that... and so true, so true. <laughs> I love that you got that because, of course, yes. <laughs> Why wouldn't he, right? Of course, it was magic wand on his end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. But, you know, I think each one of those turning points, it's hard. It's hard to make the change. And mm -hmm. you have to realize that it's going to happen. Change is what life is about. So the more that you accept that the pain of what you're in is good, it's going to drive you out of what you're doing now. All you have to do is find a future that feels more compelling. And that will be the magnet on the other end. The, the pain pushes you and the magnet of the future pulls you into that new person that you will become because you will. There's an image. I need to draw that, the the magnet pulling me and the push. But I've never actually seen, and to be honest, I'm so curious. I want to be in a room and see the the graphic the graphic recording unfold. But I can just, for me, just being around businesses and, and working in different industries and different rooms, you have the perfect personality for it. Like you, your personality, when you step into a room, it, it pulls people out of themselves. Like you make people comfortable. It's like it becomes a fun atmosphere. And I don't think someone who would be more introverted or maybe someone who's say less focused on people and more interested in things per se would be able to be as effective in what you do. So I think it's like a, a perfect match. Oh, well, I appreciate you saying that. That's very kind, but there are graphic recorders who are introverts, but they have a facilitator who's running the room. I just do both. Oh, okay. That, that's I'm a perfect match for that. But you're a perfect match for what you're doing too. So, you know, I mean, I think it takes it takes engaging other people. And I have so appreciated all of these great questions because they've really taught me a lot more about what I've done. And I get to see it from a different viewpoint when you ask great questions. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's my pleasure. For those listeners at home, I'm not a mad scientist, you know, mathematically making this equation of the great question. I just, I'm so curious by nature. It's not very often we get 
a, a graphic recorder and someone who has had a journey like you where you've been a drama therapist and then transitioned to into business and then transitioned again so like we could make a movie i think there's gonna be a hollywood <laughs> movie one day on patty oh that's hilarious well that'll be fun so i'm interested to hear your thoughts on if you think that there are more creative people in the world and less creative people in the world or if you think everyone has the creativity element but just some can access it more or where, where do you stand on that because i'm sure you've had a lot of experiences with that well i think that yeah you know people ask me this question a lot because they think that they are not creative and i'm thinking of this one friend of mine who was a teacher for many years working in special ed and i was like you know dude, you are one of the most creative people in the world because you're coming up for, with lesson plans for kids to help them learn and grow better. Now, mm -hmm. where are you getting that from? You're not reading from a book. You're making up those lesson plans every day. And I think we get this idea, you know, that a creative person, you know, is somebody who paints or draws or dances or sings or, you know, like that. Yes, you know. yes. As an essence in the universe, we're born with our imagination. Why? because our imagination is the way that we get ourselves into and out of all kinds of trouble. We use our imagination as a tool and the imagination is the portal to creativity. It's the portal. So anytime you're daydreaming about something that could happen, whether it's good, bad, or whatever, you're being creative mm. because that's your natural state as an essence in the world. You were constructed to solve problems, feel things, and then solve problems. And so if you can see that every time you daydream is an act of creativity, and the only thing that I've done or, or you've done, right, is we just funnel that creativity into something. And whether you are in science or math, whether you write or whether you garden, whether you work on the roads or you cook somebody a meal or you're cleaning the dishes, you're creatively working inside all the time to find the best way possible because that's how we're constructed. We want to do the best. We want to get better. We evolve. It's part of our nature. And the way we evolve best is by using our imagination because it will show us everything. Yeah. And you're so, I don't want to say you're so right. Cause who am I to say, but I, I agree with you that for so long myself, I'm speaking personally, I've always, when I was a child thought, you know, someone who's creative was someone who knew how to draw, who, like you said, was in dramatic arts or who could, could write, it could, could write these fantasyful stories and et cetera, et cetera. And it wasn't until I was older and I was, I was, I think teaching at the time and I was at a friend of mine's house and he's like, can you talk with my dad? He wants to write a book. And it's like, sure, but I don't know what you want me to do. You know, this is like, I was young. I was like 22 at the time. And he's like, well, you're the most creative person I know. You can help him. I was like, me I can't even, I couldn't, <laughs> don't even know what end of a paintbrush to hold. What are you talking about? Right. But yeah. that kind of opened my eyes to, yeah, I guess I am creative when it comes to how would you lay this out in, in some other ways, right? We all have our strengths, I guess. Yes, and I think, you know, project managers are creative. Sure. How they get something done. Yeah. They know they've got to convince people to get the deadline met. You know, these are creative skills. This is how we use our creativity 
Um, and we, you know, we just don't see it. Somebody made it up, you know, that creative looked like this, just like genius looked like this, you know, was a person. Yeah. But genius, creative genius is really, it's the imagination. So everyone has access to the creative genius. All you have to do is listen to your imagination and then do what in, information you're getting. Like I said at the beginning, you can't censor what's coming through. What's coming through is for you. It's for you to do something with because there's no other person it's coming through to. It's just you. And so if you don't capitalize on the things that you get, the messages you get, the insight you get, the intuition you get, the ideas that you get, then you're missing out on the fun of being alive because it's fun when you realize that you're in communication with who knows what, don't know, it's coming in <laughs> and you might as well channel it and do something with it, right? So right. get quiet, tune in, ask a question. You want to, like, you're really good at question asking, you know, get, get a question for yourself. Like, okay, you're stuck in your career. And then you write on a piece of paper, dear universe, what do I do next? Show me in the next day, three things that I could do to help myself get out of it. And then your job, put on your detective outfit and go and watch to see what happens in your day. <gasps> Wow, that billboard, that really spoke to me. That's like a waking dream. It's mm -hmm. coming in. This is information. The universe is always talking to us. The, the trick is you have to listen. I'm going to pick at that for a second. I'm gonna, we're going to double down on this. I, again, as you're speaking, I'm thinking to myself, in the workplace, it is so difficult. Like the, the managers, the directors, the VPs, they're walking around and, and they want creative people, so they say, and I'm assuming many of them do, but many don't know how to create an environment that will facilitate that, that will produce that, because it's not like you can think harder and you'll be more creative. So what's a good first step or, or how could people like harness and channel their natural creativity, those thoughts that are coming through and capitalize, as you say, on it. Is there something people should be doing more of or that they could be doing, like keeping a log or how do they put those into yeah, action? I would definitely, well, number one, get a journal. Number okay. one, you don't, it doesn't have to be a big thing. It could be something in your pocket, you know, famous people, those weird pocket things, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get one of those and or get a journal and then spend time being curious you know, that's the second piece. You want to capture and you want to ask, be curious about what's happening so that you start to gain insight about your patterns and what you're doing. That's the first step. The second step is challenge yourself. Most of us, we, we love routine. Oh, it feels so safe. <laughs> yes, it I does. mean, we just love it. I love having the same cup of coffee at the same time. I love sitting down and doing that. And, you know, some people read the paper or watch the news. Me, I write in my journal every day. But I tell myself, hey, guess what? You're getting up at 1 a.m. tomorrow because I don't want you to get in a rut. You get up at 6 every day. No, you want to eat something different. You want to watch something different. You want to try sure. new things. And that will break you open to see and then try things that you think would be fun. All the things that you dream about at night. Yeah, that guy, he's, he's walking over that mountaintop and it's like a thing and it's an organized. I could never do that. That's it. <laughs> yeah, Go do that. Exactly. That's the thing. 
you know, or you think to yourself, you know, that, that, you know, thing I'm building at work, that idea I'm building at work, you know, I just, I'm just going to build it into a little plan. And I don't ask permission. This is the difference. I, I think in business, if you ask permission too many times, you're, it's a misstep. Because people say no first. They always say no. They do. You know, no, I'm so scared of that. No, no, you don't want to do that. I don't want you to waste your time on that. It might yeah. not come to anything. But the best ideas, like the most successful people, they create a team environment where everyone can thrive because they don't control it. And that's what's hard for all of the control freaks like myself. Like I like to control everything. Are you kidding? I seem really creative, but I love to control things. And I have to stop controlling. This is my big job in my life. I'm not going to control it. I got to let it go. And the way that I do that, first, I stop and I ask a question. Then I write down what I think is the answer that I'm getting. And then I try something new. I try to do it a different way. And that's good when you're communicating with people. That's the first place you can be more creative or you can try to build a garden. So you can try it. Mm -hmm. This guy came to my house today. He was taking drone shots of the house because we're trying to sell this house. And he said, oh, I love your composters that you guys have. Those composters are so cool. And I said, you know, I was a gardener once. So this is how the, he goes, hey, tell me how to do it. Tell me how to do it. <laughs> yeah, and you know, we have two cups. So I'm, I'm going into all the detail with him. And then I say to him, hey, you know what? We're leaving this property. Those composters, they're yours. You're going to take them home right now. And you're going to teach yourself how to compost. And he was so thrilled. My wife and I, we want, we wanted to do this. <laughs> so, you know, that's it. <laughs> We've been looking for the opportunity to compost for so long. And you have I just given us, thank you, Patty. Another, <laughs> another life but changed. You know, <laughs> exactly. Just go compost. But it's a good metaphor, don't you think? You want to take the old things that you've been doing and compost them and see what new things you can plant. What's new you want to plant in your year, in your life, in your business? Try yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I tell folks all the time, too, that they think, oh, I wasted five years at this company. And I say, well, what did, what did you waste? What did you take away? <laughs> what you, surely there must be some transferable skill, you know, but it, it's not, it's not obvious. It's not like, well, I started as an apprentice and I left a master. That's they want like the tangible process. They don't realize that they have amassed a ton of skills that they're unaware of. Well, and not just that, but I think that sometimes people rear view mirror quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Look in the rear view mirror because it's safer to look in the rear view mirror and be regretful or mad or whatever, instead of going into the unknown. That's the scary part. Mm -hmm. That's scary. So it's easier to rear view mirror and think about all the things you could have done or should have done instead of just leap off the cliff. It's scary. It's no fun, <laughs> but it will be fun when the net appears out of nowhere because it does. It yeah. Does. Or you start to fly, right? Or, or a number of other yes. things. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Um, so usually the final question is that I ask all, all of the guests is what advice would you give to your younger former self? But you've given us so much great advice already. And I have a burning question that I want to throw out there and I'm sure you'll be able to crush it off the tee. 
I agree with everything you're saying and people should follow their passions and people should be willing to take risks, especially when they're younger, because if you take a risk when you're younger and you screw up, you still have a ton of time left. It's not like you're taking a risk when you're 65, although I still say take the risk. But for those people out there who are starting their career and they're thinking, you know, my parents are telling me I should be an accountant or something safe, but I really like this message that Patty's saying that I should follow my, my creativity. And what I really want to do is I really want to, I don't know, be a magician or something else, but I don't know if I'll make any money at it. Everyone says I'm going to struggle. And what if I, what if I go broke and where will I live and the financial side of it? And that's kind of like the comfort, right? What would you say to that? What would you say to those people? I, I've been there. I've had that. I've eaten top ramen and you know what? It's a sweeter meal than having a really great deluxe meal at whatever your favorite restaurant is. When you are doing something that you love, doing something that you love is far, far greater than doing something to please someone else. That's what we end up doing sometimes. You know, our parents expect us to be a doctor or they expect us to go into a certain career path. And it's hard to say no and to say, I'll do it on my own. But when you do do it on your own, the success is so much greater. And it, it's hard won. It's, it's not easy, but you will do it. And you'll learn to trust yourself and your ideas and your, your direction. You'll learn to listen and discern what's a good thing from a bad thing all on your own without anybody telling you what to do. And that's what growth is about. And if you feel like you wanna take the safe route, there is no harm in that. I would just ask you to think about when you're in it and you're doing it, if every day you get up and you hate what you're doing, you will make yourself sick at some point. And then that will be, you have to leave your job. So it's really essential for you to find something that makes your heart sing so that you are in good health and that you bring your full self to the world because the world needs you. You doing the thing that you love is what you're meant to do. There's no other thing. Nobody else can do it the way you will. So go do that. Patty Dobrovolsky, ladies and gentlemen, that, I kind of want to end it right there. That what a what a great message, <laughs> Patty. Thank you so much. Thank I, you, I, Ryan. Yeah this this is this is remarkable. This is a great episode. How can folks get a hold of you if they if they are interested in bringing you in and working with you? Yeah, you can just find everything at my website. Up your creative genius g-e-n-i-u-s <laughs> or you can find me on instagram up your creative genius facebook up your creative genius linkedin patty dobervolsky and then you know just even if you want to just reach out and ask a question do it there you know i'll i'll respond i am the person behind all of those things i do not have people except a few <laughs> doing a few things but please reach out to me. I'd love to hear what you're up to. And I'm happy, happy to share anything that I have that will help you to grow with you. Well, Patty, thank you again so much for coming on. It's been a, it's been a pleasure and I'm sure the listeners will love this episode.
Ryan, thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun to be here. Don't you want to do this like every week now? I mean, I, come on. <laughs> this is so great. You know, there may be a part two. I don't know. We're like we're, This might be the first ever sequel that we're going to have, but... <laughs> No, Patty, thank you so much again. We, we really appreciate it. Uh, you're welcome back anytime. And to our listeners out there, we wish you success in your future endeavors.